Bokar Tov, unfortunately, I, I hope, whenever I kept saying I would do a class at night, I'd said Bli Neder, because last night I was uh, too tired and could not put together a class. But what we decided is we're going to skim through Parashat Shemot, and we're going to do the Haftarah today. So what happens at the end of Parashat Shemot? It's a very long Parashat, so we could figure, forgive ourselves for getting stuck somewhere in the middle or towards the end. Um, but after Moshe's whole conversation with Borei Olam, Borei Olam gets angry with Moshe after Moshe finally tells God, please just send it with somebody else. And then Borei Olam adds Aharon into the equation. So then it becomes Moshe and Aharon. Moshe becomes the one who gets the Nebuah. And then Aharon becomes the one who speaks the Nebuah that Moshe received. They go, they, they go to the to the Zikanim and the Zikanim help them gather the people they do the signs before the people and the Pasuk says Vaya'amin Ha'am and the, and the nation believed so they believed and then Moshe and Aharon alone seemingly go to Paro and they tell him basically that uh, let us go out and serve our God for three days because if we don't our God may smite us you know they speak the language of Paro because Paro, that, that's, that's the language that he understands. Oh, or your God is going to smite you. Okay, fine. Uh, but then what does Paro say? First of all, Who is this Adonai that I should listen to his voice? I don't know Adonai. Now, the, the irony is why wouldn't Paro know Adonai? Actually, I, I will give a couple of deeper insights, but let, let's just finish and then I'll tell you some deeper insights. Yeah, cool, no? Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll explain the, the depth. There's a lot of depth to Paro's response. I mean, not that Paro was a deep person, but it's, it's the fact that he responded that way indicates something very, very deep. It's very interesting. You see the tactic of Akadosh Baruch He didn't say, tell them you were leaving. He said, three days. The intent wasn't yeah. the intention. Good point. Okay, and then Paro says, "Why are you bothering the people from their work? You're going to cause them to, to delay their work. Instead, let's make the work even harder." He says, "Let the work be harder for them, so that they do not think about foolish things or lying lying words. They don't have time to complain." And then they, when he went and he basically said, "Give me the same amount of bricks, but this time we're not going to provide for you the straw." So they did that, and then Bnei Israel gets very upset, and, and they obviously they cannot provide, get their quota, so they keep getting struck by the Egyptians for not hitting their quotas. They come back to Moshe, and they said, Moshe, you gave Paro and his people like a sword and w- with which to kill us. You're causing much more damage. And then Moshe now goes back to Borei Olam, and the Maftir, he says, he returns to Hashem and he says, Adonai, lama hari'ota lama Why did you do such bad to this nation? Lama shilahlani, why have you sent me? From the time I came to Paro to speak in your name, he's only done bad to this nation. You haven't saved your people. Now you will see what I will do to Paro. Because with a strong hand, um, uh, he will drive them out And with a strong hand He will chase them out of his land So this is Okay so there are three things I want to analyze One The fact that Moshe and Aharon Split the, the job The tasks What's the deeper significance of the fact that Moshe and Aharon Are splitting the task That Moshe is the Navi And Aharon would say is the rhetorician That's the, the more uh, advanced word The speaker so the idea is that 
when it comes to the conveying the the when it comes to the world of ideas, okay, there is there are going to be two facets to how an idea is presented. One is the strength of the idea itself. The idea for, for the idea to be a good idea. And then the other is the strength of the presentation of presentation. the idea. Right? So you have, especially in the world of politics, especially in the world of politics, you have a lot of people who have terrible ideas, but their presentation is so good that people are just... Snake oil so true. You know? It's crazy. I mean, uh, so true. Uh, I mean, if you if you let's say you disagree with his politics, which I, I think some of you do, Barack Obama was an amazing speaker. Right? Incredible. Now, now, uh, probably our group of people probably would disagree with ninety percent of what he said. But when you, you when he spoke, you couldn't deny it. It was inspiring, whether you liked it or not. You know, that's called it almost made sense. That's when rhetorical ability, when rhetorical ability is is the dominant factor in the presentation of the idea. Now, what's the danger? What's it called? R- rhetoric. Rhetoric means the ability to present ideas in speech. Okay. So, what happens if somebody is very, very good with rhetoric, but they're not such a deep person? So the ideas will be terrible, and they will sound amazing. Now, what happens on the flip side? Let's say you have a super genius who has very, very deep ideas, but he can't speak well. He doesn't know how to present. He doesn't know how to present then the good ideas, they will be very deep and the content will be there, but nobody will want to listen, okay? So, what's the significance of having uh, the Torah or, or Moshe and Aharon tag team in the presentation of the ideas? Because it shows that their, 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 their tag team, their team, had both elements. Our, what, what the Torah is concerned with is that the Torah be presented and only accepted because of the rhetorical ability of the one who's presenting. But the fact that Moshe can't present, the fact that he's a bad speaker, what does that tell you? It means that the content is probably deep. Because he's not selling anyone because of the rhetorical ability. The product is good, you just need to have somebody to present it properly. Right, exactly. The product is good, and and that's, by the way, it's not only a significance of... The substance is there. The substance is there. It's not just a good speaker. If Borei Olam would have gone to Aaron and told him to convince everyone, then we could have suspected that there's no substance, because Aaron is a good speaker. But the fact that it's Moshe who is developing the substance, means that it's not being... It, that there's someone who's a deep person who's developing the substance, not someone who's just a good speaker who's developing that substance. And this is the significance, by the way, it's not only here, it's the significance of the fact that the Torah is given by someone who doesn't know how to speak. Because it tells you that when Am Israel is hearing the words of the Torah from Moshe, why are they accepting it? Because the ideas are good, and not because Moshe is a, has a, amazing rhetorical ability. So it's a very key theme that goes through the Torah. It's just an essential thing to realize. That you have this dynamic. Okay, that's the first deep idea about the, the, the two. The next thing is, what is what does does Paro mean? What's the deeper significance of that statement? So what it means when Paro says, Who is Adonai Asher Hashemah Bikolo? He's not just saying, I've never heard of this God Adonai. He's not, and he's not only just saying that it's not one of my gods Because yeah. Paro had many gods And he could have just added Adonai yeah. But The deeper significance is that Adonai Our God 
cannot sit in a pantheon. Adonai cannot be in the same room as other gods. And why is that? Because Adonai, as we describe him, is the creator of everything. And everything bows down to him. And he shares power with no one. So when Paro says, who is Adonai? He's saying philosophically, I don't have any God that is all powerful. In, all, in my understanding of the world, we have hundreds of gods and each god has his own place and the gods are constantly fighting. But I don't have such a god that dominates everything and it's the only god and that and, and, and supersedes every other god. And I definitely do not have another, any god that comes at the expense of all my other gods. Who is Adonai? So the concept itself was... Uh, yeah, when, concept. when Paro is saying who is Adonai... It it's not. It's not just saying he's not. It's of every. It's with everything. But, he, but he's not just saying that I don't. I've never heard of his name. He's saying this concept of God is is completely foreign to our conception of reality. It's completely foreign to the pagan worldview. And that's what. That's the deeper message behind Paro's statement. Who is Adonai? Because if I believe, if Paro were to believe in Adonai, then his whole pantheon would just not exist anymore. So it, it just doesn't work out. And then finally, the, the final thing that's, that's troublesome is that Moshe at the end of the parasha goes to Hashem and he says, why have you done bad to this nation from the time? Didn't, but didn't Borei Olam tell him that Paro was going to say yes. no at the beginning? Yes, from the beginning. <laughs> so I think there's a lesson there that, you know, we, we always tell ourselves all struggle is good, is, is good for us at the end of the day. We grow from all the struggle. But it's very easy in good times to give ourselves the pep talk that times will be good or that, that, times, that, or that difficulty is good for me that struggle is good for me and it's very good when times are good to think that when times are bad I'm going to be able to manage because I have but when times are bad don't it's go very, tell somebody it's, no no when times are bad it's very hard <laughs> to remember that pep yeah, talk you gave yeah, yourself when yeah. times are good yeah, no, no, that's no. the thing with Moshe it's a Borel I'm told him but Whenever Am Yisrael comes and, and, come and they have scars all over them from being beaten by the Egyptians, it's very hard for Moshe to say, I know Hashem, you told me that he's going to say no at first, so I'm going to, I'm okay with it. It's very hard. Because when, when you really, you know, there's a, there's a phrase that, that um, I, think, I think the idea is, every boxer has a game plan until he gets punched in the face. Right? <laughs> yes. So you go... You go and you're ready and you tell yourself, okay, I know this is going to be, this business venture is going to be difficult and I know it's going to be years and years of failure, but I'm going to stick through it anyways. I know that it's good for me. Two years later, you still haven't made a dime. Oh my God. Is it, is it easy to everything keep going? Until it's not <laughs> Every, everything is good until, until it, the everything reality actually changes. Until everything right. goes. So that, that seems to be stops, everybody, oh, oh. potentially what's happening to Moshe at the end. Okay, so that's the end of Parshat Shemot. Let's also look at the... Doesn't refer, he still refers to Am Yisrael, your nation. He doesn't say my, I don't feel like he's part of it yet. He's not, like, what do you, how did you do this? He feels bad for them. Why did you do this to your people? He doesn't consider himself his people yet. That's an interesting one. What's the Lashon? What's the Lashon? That's interesting. You didn't, wow. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't save your nation. You didn't save out my us, people. Us. Wow. Amecha. He says, wow. Or unless he's talking in a third person. Oh, oh, last thing. Okay, now that you brought that up. Last thing is we didn't explore the, the thing with the, the hotel. That he goes and then 
someone's trying to kill Moshe, so then uh, Tzipora takes the, the flint and she gives a, a, a Brit Milah to the son. What, what did that all mean? Hard to tell. It's one of the most cryptic passages in the Torah. But Rabbi Maruf once explained that the significance is on the Brit Milah. Because the Brit Milah represents joining Am Yisrael. Yes. That's the way you, you join Am Yisrael. And what Borei Olam wanted to see from Moshe is that he goes on this mission not as someone, as an outsider who's just doing this as a favor to an outside nation, but he wants Moshe to do it with a Jewish identity. And if Moshe is not giving his own son a Brit Milah, then, he's, then not, he's not, he's useless. Literally skin in the game. Yeah, and if you look at the psukim around that passage, there's a lot of talk about Brit Milah, uh, about the firstborn. Yeah. That Am um, Israel is my firstborn, go tell Paro that I'm going to kill your firstborn. And then Moshe, his own firstborn, he doesn't give him a Brit Milah, so he doesn't consider him part of the covenant. So now Hashem says, no, 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 if you want to go like this without, without considering your kid as part of the covenant, then it's not worth it. So he tries to put him to death. But then Tzipporah, in line with our uh, theme that the women are always saving the day, Tzipporah realizes that though I'm a Midianite, Moshe's family needs to be Jewish if he wants to go and become the leader of the Jewish people. And then she does the Brit Milah and saves the day. Okay, that would be a 20-second summary of that story. Let's do... Haftarah of Ba'era comes from Yechezkel. So it's a, there are some famous things in this Haftarah. Oh, we have enough time. We can go through it. Okay? So I'm going to read through it quickly. And then I'll just translate quickly. Okay? The Haftarah begins with Yechezkel. Um, he was one of the prophets. He, he left during one of the Galuyot. Uh, before the, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, the Babylonians exiled a lot of the people, especially the higher class people, to Babylon. And Yechezkel was one of the people who got exiled to Babylon. And a lot of his prophecy came in Babylon. So unusual. It is unusual, yeah. Um, very similar to how Yirmiyah at the end of his life gets taken to Egypt. So something about all of our prophets getting, getting tossed out of Israel. But um, So Yechezkel is definitely looking at a time when the Beit HaMikdash is in the process of being destroyed. And then this, he opens up with a good time when God says, when I gather Israel back from the nations and I sanctify them and, I'm, and I am with them and, I, and they will dwell on their land that I've given to my son Yaakov and they will dwell on it happily and peacefully. They will plant their vineyards and they will dwell peacefully. When I do justice against all of the people who disdain them, that are around them, and they will know that I am Hashem, their God. Okay? Today. Yeah, it's today, exactly. It's happening exactly today. today. So we're, all, we're being gathered, and then God is doing justice against the people who harmed us. Now we go to Pasuk Kaftet, where the whole point of this Haftarah is going to be God's judgment against Egypt. And because in Parshat Va'era, we have the bulk of the plagues, so that is the judgment against Egypt. And that's what we're going to be studying. So this Haftarah parallels our parasha because it describes the judgment of Egypt, but the judgment of Egypt in the future. Because later on, what we have to know is that during the time of the, of the, first, re, of the first Beit HaMikdash, the Jews typically went into alliances with Egypt yes. who were in the Southwest, and it didn't always, and Hashem never wanted them to do that. Uh, it didn't, the, the Egyptians weren't, weren't, uh, weren't good partners, and, and uh, the Hashem did not want them to make partnerships with they Egypt. They made a lot of partnerships, wrong partnerships, kings, they made yeah. a lot of mistakes. So, uh, in the 10th year, on the 10th, in the 12th day of the month, uh, oh, on the 10th month, in the 12th day of the month, the word of God came to me. 
put your face against Paro and do a prophecy against Paro. Interesting pasuk that he says, speak to Paro and say, Behold, I am upon you, Paro, king of Egypt, the one who is the great serpent. Paro is described as the great serpent. Interesting. Who crouches in the river, in the Nile. Who says, the river is mine. And I made it for me. Paro. It's very, very interesting. Pasuk. It's like Paro is described as claiming to be the creator of the river. So it's, if the river is like a god for them, then Paro is claiming to be the creator of a god. So you're in that river that you claim you created. I'm going to take a hook, like a fisherman's hook. I'm going to stick it into your mouth and I'm going to pull you out of the river. Okay? And then all of the, the fish in the river are also going to latch onto your scales and they're going to come out with you. So basically, I'm going to bring judgment upon all of you and all of your friends. Okay? Oh, oh, oh. Then I'll send you into the desert. You and all your fish, you will be thrown onto the field, meaning onto the dry land, so where they won't be able to survive. Yeah. You will not be gathered and you will not be brought back. To the, to the animals of the field and to the birds, I will give you for food. And all the people who live in Egypt will know that I am God. In, in return for them being a Mish'enet Kane Levet Israel. So, what does it mean to be a Mish'enet that is a Kane? So, Mish'enet is something you, you recline on, something you lean on. And Am Israel would lean on Egypt in their partnerships and in their alliances. But then, what does it mean if, if you're leaning on a stock? You're gonna fall. It means you're not gonna fall. So they were a mishanet kane. They were a something that Amisel leaned on, but Amisel yeah, would keep they can, falling. They can pull it, they're, right. They're gonna fall. Uh, when they gather, when they grabbed you in their palm, you broke. And then you 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 broke on them when they leaned their shoulder against you. And when they would recline on you, you broke. And then you had to call, you caused them to try to stand up on their own. Therefore says God, I'm going to bring upon you the sword and I'm going to destroy from you man and animal. The land of Israel will be desolate and destruction. And they will know that I am God Because he claimed That the river is mine And I made it <laughs> Meaning because he claimed He makes claims to divinity Hashem is going to make clear That I am, the, I am God okay? By the way Yechazkel is extremely useful In understanding The psychology of Paro Because the Torah Doesn't tell us explicitly That Paro has A, a divine assumption about himself I think it also The way he explains How human nature is when somebody is enslaved, automatically, like you're used to leaning on something, you become reliant on that. Like even you cannot, you have a slave mentality. And, yeah, the only and, thing and is you when they were, stand on your own feet. When they were leaning on Egypt here, yeah. 
It's not in, in the form of slavery. It's after yeah. in the form after. of an alliance. I'm not talking about physical slavery. Right. Leaning, uh, yeah, that's one of the complaints people have about Israel's reliance on America. Yes. That if Israel were to cut its, cut its dependence on America, it would be better for it, not worse. Why? Because it would learn independence. And it, would, it would be able to stand alone as a country. There are other ways. Yeah. Behold, therefore, I'm against you and your river. Your river. See, it's Borei Olam doesn't like the river. Borei Olam, by the way, there's a big fight between the river and Borei Olam. Because the river is their God and Borei Olam is our God. So the fight starts with the river because the river represents their God. So I'm against you and your river. Also the first Makot is the... Yeah, exactly. I'm going to make Egypt a desolate or, or, or yeah, de- desolate place of, of destroyed emptiness from, these two pla- from, from one border to the other border. Man should not cross through it. Animals should not cross through it. It will not be inhabited for 40 years. And then, basically, the Nabi continues to say, after 40 years, Pasuk 13, I'm going to gather Egypt from the nations and I'm going to bring them back. But I'm going to bring them back as a weakened nation. And they will no longer, at uh, Pasuk 16, they're going to be so weak that they will no longer be a, a, a support for Israel who brings sin upon them because they're going to be too weak to have any relevance to Am Israel. Um, and they, everybody will know that I am God. So Egypt will be destroyed for 40 years. After 40 years, they will come back, but as a much weakened nation. And no more will Israel Am Israel. Not, not need them anymore. Right. Yeah. And that kind of seems to be what happened. Because if you look, once the, the great Egyptian empire fell, no more. there were always nations in e- Egypt proper, but they were nothing special. Mm-hmm. And there, there was no great... Look at Egypt today. What, what is it? Okay. Pasuk 17. More than one more nevuah comes to Yechazkel. Ben Adam Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, Melech Bavel, Evirat Chelo, Avodah Gedola, El Sor, Korosh Mukrat, Kotaf Miruta, Pesachar Lo Haya Lo Lohelo, Mitzor Al Avodah Shra Avadalea, Lachen Koma Avonai, Limir, Nino Tendel, Bukhadnezzar, Melech Bavel, Eretz Misraim, and Asaha Monah, Shalosh Allah, Bazaz Bizah, Vetasachar Lachelo. The Navi now explains who is going to bring the destruction upon Egypt. And it's brilliant because you go into the mind of how Borei Olam runs the world. He says, I need to bring punishment over Egypt. But I also need to pay back Nebuchadnezzar because he destroyed Sor for me. But in Sor, which is north of Israel, they didn't have enough payment or enough spoils to pay Nebuchadnezzar. So now it works out because I will now use Nebuchadnezzar. I will give him success in battle against Egypt. And that will be his payment for helping me destroy Sword. So that's like this so is much the, Yeah, there's a lot of Hesab Ketab Because Borei Olam what, The way Borei Olam does is He's managing 100 events at the same time And he's using this event as payback for this event But then this event becomes payback for this event And then it's a whole complex thing So we never understand really You can never understand that no, 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 you, no, 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 you can no, never. Un- no. This is that's called. That's why you can't. You can never understand. Yes. You can never understand the totality of Borei Olam's plan. You could see bits and pieces of it. So here we're seeing a bit of that of that plan, and that he's pushing. He's paying back Nebuchadnezzar for the lack of destruction of Tzor, and that's how. Yeah. Um, on that day, the Haftarah ends. On that day, I will I will bring out the horn of Bet Israel. I will I will let the horn sprout of Bnei Israel. And um, 